good morning and thanks so so much for joining us on this Wednesday morning on a day where it's kind of snowy and uh, maybe warm up the coffee and shoot us a text, shoot us a call and join the conversation this morning. We're opening up the phone lines for you. We're going to talk about the stories that are on your mind, the big stories of the day. We're starting off talking about teachers, education. Of course, we know rotating strikes are happening in part of the province today. Tomorrow, Lunchtime supervision is being yanked across the province, and that has a lot of people talking. So we're going to go to the phone line right away, and I would love to hear your thoughts. I'm going to lay out, I've talked about this so many times, here are my six points. I'm going to lay out to start the conversation. You can keep score at home. Maybe you disagree with each one of them. Maybe there's some that you think hit the mark and others that do not. On this teacher situation and the classroom complexity and all the things we're talking about, I think classroom complexity is a problem. It's out of control. I don't think it belongs in a collective agreement. I think the school divisions, the school boards have to find a way to come together, have the responsibility, and have the the ability to handle this problem. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit more in detail in a second. Number two, I think the teachers are underpaid for what they do for what we expect of them. I'm not hung up on the big numbers. I know people are, you know, like, are you kidding me? Look at what they're asking for. Look, that's their starting position. This is bargaining. And so I'm not hung up on the numbers, but I think they're, they're generally speaking, there is a need to move our teachers into a, a wage that's more representative of what we expect them to do and how they expect, we expect them to teach our children. Number three, I think our province has to find a way to address classroom complexity. And the province has said they want to. We've heard the premier say it. We've heard the justice minister say it. We have to find a way to address classroom complexity. I think it has to happen outside of the collective agreement. But I think it's got to happen in a way where the province can guarantee the teachers, show the teachers, have the the teachers trust in the fact that their voices will be heard and that finance will be committed to it. That budget will be committed to it. That, I mean, that is interest-based bargaining at its finest. And so if it's not in the collective agreement, and again, I don't think it should be in the collective agreement, how can you, the teachers are clearly bent on this and they're saying this is a hill to die on. So is there a way that it can be addressed that guarantees the teachers that they feel like this is being addressed? And they're, they're talking about how it's important for the students. It's important for the teachers. Number four, and maybe this is even outside of the teacher's strike, but this has come to life. Our curriculum needs work, and particularly math. Uh, The more I talk to teachers, parents, students about math, what we're doing is not working. The curriculum needs work. Number five, I think we need to step away from social promotion. So basically, this issue that we don't fail kids anymore. And I know I'll get beat up on this topic because there's a lot of people that think this is the meanest thing that we can do, failing kids. To me, I look about what are we setting our children up for in in life? What are, what, what are we doing to them in the long run if we're pushing them through, frustrating them that they can't keep up with their peers, especially as they get into some of the tougher grades into high school? And then how do they navigate the challenges in the real world? Well, what, what does that look like? And number six, I think school boards need to have more of, a, of an ability to navigate the challenges in their schools and have access to funding in order to do that. So the province either needs to lighten the purse strings for the school boards to handle some of these complexity issues, or they have to give the school boards back the ability to 
make tax decisions, raise mill rates, whatever the case may be. Now, what do you think? You, you probably checked off one or two, maybe all six. Maybe you X'd all six of the, of the suggestions that I just said. What is the solution to the current teacher situation? one 332 8255 We're going to start today with Paul in Saskatoon. Thanks so much for calling in. What do you think on this whole teacher situation, Paul? Well, Evan, thanks for taking my call. Um, I think I think the teachers have now, since they're taking away this lunch hour thing, I think they poked the bear, and uh, they're, they're going to lose uh, some support here. Mm-hmm. But the point I want to get to is if we start cleaning up the classrooms, this is going to solve a lot of the issues. Now, the biggest point I have, and I know the math thing, the new math, get rid of that. Let's get back to the, the way it used to be. But number two is we have we have so many people coming from different countries enrolling into school. Now we have two uh, two languages, French and English. If you don't have the command of those two languages, you shouldn't be in school until you have a command of those two languages. And again, if you don't and you want to educate your kid, guess what? We got flex ed. Mm -hmm. Flex ed can help them out. Other options outside of the public school, basically, is what you're saying, Paul. Well, you have to because we cannot hire how many, you know, we've got to have Spanish. And uh, if you're from Ecuador, whatever language they speak and, uh, you know, from uh, Tanzania, you know, so that and you might only have two two students there, but. They can't speak English. Definitely. Definitely speaks to the the complexity in the classroom issue. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, Paul, I think this is one, and and we talked about it a little bit earlier on the show, this is one where we are seeing distinct differences between schools in, for example, large urban centers and potentially smaller communities where it may not be the classroom complexity issue could still be an issue, but it may not be the language part of new Canadians that is the issue. And of course, for a teacher, it doesn't matter the class size. And we've talked about this. A class of 20 students can be a class full of of complexity and problems, just given the number of students who have very different needs and and diverse needs that would require teachers aids and assistance and all of those things so appreciate the call one 332 8255 lots of texts coming in on this as well samantha in saskatoon i have two kids in high school 15 and 17 i have to pay 50 bucks for each of them for lunchtime supervision what's the deal with that and I think, you know, that's that adds to the conversation on the lunchtime supervision part of this is parents are saying, in many cases, they have to pay for it. And they have to pay for it. And now it's not going to be basically looked after for tomorrow anyway. And the teachers, SDF has said, look, you got to talk to your, we don't get the money for that. It goes to the school boards. In some school divisions, they choose to pay teachers. They get 20 bucks an hour, let's say. I know that's the, the rate in a couple of school divisions. In others, teachers can work a set number of, of lunch hour supervisions or uh, bus supervisions before and after school. And as a result, they get some time off in lieu as a result of working, you know, a number of these over a number of days. But nonetheless, that issue, the lunch hour supervision is what has got people worked up. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Tom in Regina is on the line. Tom, what is your thought here with the teachers? 
Well, I want to talk a little bit about complexity. Like you get Beacott on your radio station and he's talking about, oh, there's 35 students per class and all this, and, you know, they're overflowing the classrooms. But SPF's own numbers for today's walkout, 63,000 students affecting 3,500 teachers. Right. Well, the, the quick math is that's eight students per teacher. Right. Okay, so who's telling the truth? Obviously, you can't believe the SDF because they lie. So, so Tom, let me just let me just ask you this. And, and we had this conversation actually on the the first round of rotating strikes because someone did the exact same thing as you. Someone did the math and said, okay, this is the number of, of students that are affected. This is the number of teachers that are walked out. And I think the number in that first day of the rotating strike was actually lower. I want to say it was like 14 students per teacher. Uh, my, my my understanding, though, is that also includes principals, administrators, uh, people who may not have a classroom de- dedicated to them. They could be doing other work in the schools. And so as a result, you know, are, are you saying maybe it's time to look and redistribute teachers? Because well, some of no, those I... people that are on strike wouldn't have a classroom. Okay, first of all, you're assuming things. Okay, you're assuming that it includes this and it includes that. That's not been stated, Evan. Okay, if you're going to tell the truth, tell the bloody truth. Right. And let the people, you know, the, the taxpayer understand what's going on. Don't lie. And they're lying. Try um, out the union's lying. What, are, what do you think specifically they're lying about, Tom? Well, they're lying. Well, <clears throat> you just said the numbers. Well, I do know that I do know that principals are part of the union. I do know that. Yeah, but they don't state that in their numbers. Mm-hmm. Okay, tell the truth. So maybe maybe we need to get them to break it down a little bit more for us is what it comes down to. You know, Tom's point, and Tom's not the only one that's done the math. Lots of people are doing the math and saying this doesn't look like we have a ratio problem. But uh, as I said, and I and I know this to be true, principals, for example, who won't have a classroom, they are part of the of the STF. In some cases, vice principals don't have a classroom. There are language consultants. There are you know different people that work in the education sector that are part of the STF that don't have dedicated classrooms. So if you were to to take those that group of people out and then figure out how many students and how many teachers who actually have classrooms, that would give you a better idea. But, I mean, it's not, there, there's no simple solution to that for sure. And the, and the math is something that people are definitely hung up on. one 332 8255 Let's take one more call before we break here. I'm going to go to Jonathan in Saskatoon. Uh, what's your thought here? You're thinking the complexity issue has to rest with the school boards. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the complexities in Saskatoon are going to be different from the complexities in Cutterith. And that's going to be different from the complexities in, you know, La Ronge or Meadow Lake. Um, you know, that has to be dealt with on a local basis. Um, the As far as the compensation goes, I think we need to tie that to performance. Interesting. Um, we have some of the worst performing students in the country, which means we probably have some of the worst performing teachers in the country. Um, and we need to, you know, tie that in. If... Their students are the, at the national average. You know, they get the cost of living increase. That's it. 
if they're below average, well, they get a little less than that. If they're they, they pick it up and they're above average, then we can start you know topping it up on top of that. Interesting. Uh, there's a there's an interesting concept for opening up another another point of discussion is compensation for teachers is basically a contractual issue. It's set through bargaining. Of course, there's no tie to performance. And and typically you see that more, I would suggest, in private sector than you would in public sector bargaining agreements. But uh, it opens up a discussion. It even opens up the discussion about we know that in many cases, certainly with, with regard to reading and math, our children's scores are not holding up against the rest of Canada, let alone the rest of the world. Where does the fault lie there? Is it curriculum? Is it teachers? Is it parents and home responsibility? These are the questions that I think spin out from that. one 8255 More of your thoughts on the teacher's situation when we come back on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Good morning, I'm Evan Bray. For those who have been waiting for some snow and moisture, well, looks like you're getting your wish. Much of the province getting some snow now and uh, will be over the next 24-hour period. If you're not getting it yet, central and southern parts of the province, it's likely coming. It's falling in, in much of Saskatchewan right now. Well, it's open lines, the opportunity for you to call in and, and talk about what's on your mind. We started talking about teachers and the calls, the texts continue to come in. I want to get to this one. I had talked about, you know, I feel like teachers are underpaid for what they do. I think what we expect of them, again, I'm not hung up on the on the big numbers because I think that's a starting position. Where they're going to settle, I'm not sure, but to me, there's room there. I got a text here that says, teachers make more than most people in society. Some work hard and deserve every penny. Many don't. My wife knows this as she is an education assistant. I wonder if the teachers feel any shame giving lots of their work to EIs that make 19 bucks an hour with barely any benefits. Goes on to talk about, you know, the amount of work that education assistants do. And it feels as though for those that work in the schools, like there's two classes of people. So interesting to note, tomorrow on the show, we are talking to educational assistants, classroom supports, about their view on where things are in the classroom. So I appreciate the text, and that point of view will be coming up on the show tomorrow. one 332 8255 Let's go to Darren in Saskatoon. Darren, what's your thoughts when it comes to the teacher situation and this current strike that's looming over the province? Well, I think I have the solution, to be quite honest. <laughs> Let's hear it. If you're the guy, Darren, there's going to be a lot of happy people. <laughs> Let's assume a teacher, using round numbers, I don't know the exact figures, makes 100 grand a year. The province pays each school system per student, correct? Right. Okay, I think we should pay the teachers per student. If they're concerned about class complexities and about the advancement of the numbers in per student, then if you take 100 grand, it works out to about $3,000 per student. And 35 students per class. So if you want 20 kids, no problem. We'll pay you 60 grand a year to pay to teach 20 kids. And at that rate, we can save some money and hire more teachers. Now, if the teachers are concerned about the education of these children, then they should fall on their own sword. 
Interesting. You know, I mean, this is the this is the discussion around not only finding ways to solve the problem, but how do we deal with complexity in the classroom? And of course, it's going to mean spending money. So how do we find money? Now, don't quote me on this, but I think principals do get part of their wage is is based on the number of students in a school. I I do think that's the way it works, at least in some school divisions in the province. So if you're a principal at a bigger school, then you make a a larger wage than someone who's a principal at a smaller school. I'm pretty confident that that's how it works. It definitely doesn't work that way for teachers. Darren in Saskatoon is saying, well, maybe it should. 1-877-332-8255. Kevin and Regina texted in saying, the Regina Public Division looks very bad in terms of how they overreacted and are sending kids home at noon for the entire day. This is tomorrow with the lunch hour supervision. Kevin says, we pay Regina Public lunchroom supervision fees. It's up to them to use the money. We pay them and we get coverage for lunch or look for volunteers. Other divisions like Prairie Valley have figured it out and their kids are still having a full day of school. That's what Sarah Mills was talking about today. Kids are getting some school divisions, including Regina and some in Regina, are getting sent home at lunch and are being told, you don't have to come back for the day. one 332 Okay, we are going to be taking another break here. And when we come back, I'm not, I'm not going to say we're done with teachers because I know the texts and calls are going to continue to come in and we will be talking about this, whether we like it or not, for some time yet. But I do want to talk about the fact that four big names in provincial politics announced yesterday that they weren't running again. Even the fact that they all announced it in the same day is interesting to me. Donna Harpower, Dustin Duncan, Don McMorris, and Gord Wyant. Four big names with the provincial government who have now told us we're not running in the, in this fall's provincial election. I'm Evan Bray, and you're listening to 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Well, open lines means it's an opportunity for you to give us a call at one 332 8255 or shoot us a text. And let us know your thoughts. We've been talking about the teachers, and I do want to get to some of the big changes that are happening in the provincial government, but the phone lines are so packed with people wanting to talk about teachers, I do want to get to a couple more calls. By the way, JJ and Regina texted in saying, parents' apathy for the contract negotiations has been disrupted. It's inconvenient for them, and it's time that they call their MLA and demand that the province get back to the negotiating table and address classroom size and complexity. And people, I threw out my opinions at the start in terms of, of, I had six points that I talked about and people are weighing in as I encouraged you to do. Do you think I'm right? Do you think I'm wrong? Chris, uh, sorry, Clinton Lumsden said, sorry, Evan, I disagree with you on teacher's pay. If they worked a full year like everyone else, I wouldn't have an issue with it when considering the amount of time they get off in the summer, Christmas time and all other holidays. I think they're paid adequately. Betty and Regina said she agrees though. With my six points. She said, your six points are excellent. Thank you for that, Betty. However, all this all unfolds. The teacher strike action has finally shed a huge spotlight on the major issues in our classrooms that absolutely need to be addressed. Let's get talking and try and find some solutions. 
I support the teachers, says Betty. Let's go back to the phone lines now. D- uh, Dean is hanging on in Saskatoon. Thanks for waiting, Dean. Your thought when it comes to the teachers, and you're talking about the fact that the money that they're asking for isn't just for pay. It actually is for the schools as well. well yeah, yeah, absolutely. The uh, the, the idea that uh, they, they want higher higher wages when the government's offering the 2, 2, and 3, or the 3, 2, and 2 there, and what they're actually saying, they're asking the 23. I mean, that's Obviously, there's going to be a meet in the middle somewhere. I mean, we all we all want more money, and I mean, who's going to be the fa- the, the the first to cast the first stone on that one, right? Right. But I mean, the, we need to we need to sidestep the the pay argument here, which is I'm I'm happy this is kind of the first year that pay wasn't the thing that was kind of brought up to the public. It was more classroom composition. Uh, when like when we come into talking about uh, the scores of how our students are doing and that we're we're the lowest in the country. Um, I mean, a lot of that has to do with the classroom composition, right? The teachers aren't actually able to do their jobs in the mm-hmm. classrooms. They're not able to teach what they're supposed to teach, right? They, they're too busy putting out fires for, for what's in the classroom. That's why that's such a big issue. Um, it's, it's not all just about pay and money. I mean, my, my wife's a teacher here. I got a couple kids in school and, um, we like I see it firsthand of, of of the actual issues going on in the day, and I, I don't hear her coming home complaining about money, and I'm not complaining about money either yeah. in that in that aspect. It's the day to day work and and how it's impacting the students and the parents. It's well, it's impacting students. It's and their ability. We're seeing it through results in in testing, and although we don't have as much standardized testing as potentially we should have in the province uh, when it happens it shows that we are lagging behind compared to the rest of Canada it's impacting parents but it's impacting teachers as well we are seeing we're seeing a mass exodus of people getting out of the profession and saying it's I've had enough and so you know I I do think that there is a balance there and we have to be able to try and find a way to to give teachers the ability to teach and not I think that's a good way to put it Dean they're they're putting out fires and their problem solving with challenging classroom complexity on a regular basis. So Phil in Saskatoon is on the line and and Phil has had some experiences. I'm excited to talk to you, Phil. Thanks for calling in. Give us a bit of an understanding of your background and and what you've done. Oh, good morning, Evan. Yeah, I was an administrator in uh, Saskatoon Catholic schools for over 15 years and during that time, I was responsible for the development of the, or one of my major tasks was the development of the master schedule in uh, those four high schools when I worked there. So basically what the school division does is the school division gives the high schools a certain number of what are called full-time equivalents, which, which if you break it down is basically one teacher. So that information comes to the schools, and then someone in those high schools is responsible for the the development of the master schedule for all of the students who are registered there. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I've done that for over 15 years in all of the Catholic high schools in Saskatoon, and I can absolutely guarantee the public out there that uh, in each of those high schools, and that would be the same as the public high schools, there is no way to develop a master schedule for the needs of the kids without having at least 20 to 25 sections of classes in that school where there are 35 to 39 students inside of the classroom. Right. It's, uh, it's just there, the way the numbers there, shake there down. Is, 
Pardon me? I say just the way the numbers shake down. That is absolutely correct. And, um, you know, all of these people who think that, you know, there's 18 or 20 students in a class really have no idea how the development of a master schedule is completed within these large urban schools. So, Phil, can I I just ask you a question on that point? So sure, so people are doing, you know, basic math when they say, OK, there's X number of kids that are affected by the rotating strike and X number of teachers. So they're taking the number of students, dividing it by the number of teachers, and that's how they're coming up with the number. Right. And as I talked about this morning, that number also includes people that don't have like a homeroom, a classroom, like principals, in some cases, vice principals don't have their home classroom would that be accurate to say that that when you've got a number of teachers that are out, they don't all have their own classroom? Well, no, obviously not. I yeah. mean, in order to run a, a school, be it an elementary school or a high school, I mean, you have to have administrators who are working full time on administrative tasks within the school. Um, you know, often those people don't teach any classes, but they run the building. Right. And there's uh, a million tasks that are associated with the operation of a high school that has 1,300 kids in it. Can I ask you one other so question? I don't want to put you on the spot, but I guess, but I guess I'm going to by asking you, Phil. I have talked to a friend of mine who's a principal in Regina who said, Truth be told, he doesn't want classroom complexity and certainly classroom size built into the STF collective agreement. He says it would cause him more problems than not. He needs some flexibility to be able to move students around and try and navigate some of the challenges when it comes to assigning teachers to class sizes. What are your thoughts on that? No, I disagree. I think it's high time that the teachers of this province have within their collective agreement um, uh, rules and regulations surrounding class composition and size. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, look at many of the elementary schools as an example. You know, you have teachers in there that have 25 to 30 students in their classroom. Uh, they may have uh, two or three English as additional language students who are maybe working at the grade one or two level in the grade five, six, seven, or eight classroom. On top of that, you would have, you know, possibly some special needs students who are incorporated within the main classroom as well. Plus, you might have 25 or 26 regular students that you're trying to teach. Class composition and size is a major factor that is going to impact on the achievement of students within Saskatchewan. And it's high time that um, the teachers and the province work this out, you know, for the betterment Mm -hmm. of kids. 1-877-332-8255. one 332 8255 Phil, I'm going to move on to a, a couple. I've got one more caller I'm going to take, and then we're, maybe we'll, we'll bounce off the teacher topic for today. I'm going to go to Jeff in Alameda. Jeff, thanks so much for calling in and being patient. We've got a lot of calls coming in today. I'm giving you the last call on teachers. What are your thoughts? Hi, Evan. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, I was a teacher for 33 years. I, I retired in uh, 2019. I was administrator in my last 15, sir. And the great Winston Churchill once said that uh, a lie gets halfway around the world before the truth gets a chance to get their pants on. Um, <laughs> I never reached $100,000 in my 33 years of, of uh, teaching. And I, re- and I retired in 2019. Mm-hmm. And I believe, I don't have the grid in front of me, 
but I believe a teacher, after you know taking five years of uh, university at this particular time, their beginning salary is fifty nine thousand dollars. I think you're right. It's it's in and around there, and I think I want to say the average salary is somewhere around ninety. I've heard eighty eight. I've heard ninety two, but somewhere around nine or in the low nineties. I think. Yeah, and I think uh, for the most part, uh, the uh, dedicated teachers, which is the vast majority, I know um, when they were doing extracurricular hours, they had me at uh, 400 plus extracurricular hours a year involved in coaching and and everything within the school. So as far as summers off and so on, there's a lot of planning in the evenings, and uh, it just goes on and on. Appreciate I yeah. Clarify that. I, I appreciate you calling in for sure. Thank you so much, uh, Jeff in Alameda. Well, the teacher discussion is not going away. In fact, we're going to do it again tomorrow. So what I'm going to do is we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. And for the little bit of time that we have left in the open line hour, I want to talk about provincial politics. Donna Harpower, Dustin Duncan, Don McMorris, Gord Wyand all announced yesterday they're done. They're not going to run in the next election. What does that signal to you? Nothing? Is it just basically the course of politicians saying I've done this for decades and it's time to step down? Or is there something there that is a bit of a change in the tide for the SAS party? Your thoughts on that at one 332 8255 when we come back on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Thank you so much for your calls and texts. Open phones, always a great time to connect with you and hear your thoughts on on the most pressing topics on your mind. I threw this out just before the break. Four big names in provincial politics all announced yesterday that they weren't seeking re-election. Donna Harpower, Dustin Duncan, Don McMorris, and Gord Wyant. Not running in the fall election, 2024. And, of course, you can add those names to Don Morgan, Dana Skoropad, Greg Ottenbright, Ken Francis, Greg Lawrence, who announced he's not running and then of dealing with some criminal charges, and Ryan Dometer, who was removed from caucus because of his prostitution charge. We haven't heard from him yet whether he's running or not, but he is not part of the no longer part of the SAS Party caucus. So I'm curious to know, and, and I threw this out to you before, one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Does this signal a rebranding? For the SAS party, or is this natural turnover? You heard the premier yesterday talk about these four that announced yesterday have 80 years of experience between them. Donna Harpower elected in 99, Don McMorris in 99, Dustin Duncan in 06, and Gord Wyant in 2010. It's a lot of experience there. And like, is there anything to the fact that they all announced it on the same day? Like maybe, maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's just, you know, obviously they, they have to announce so that a new candidate can be put in place and get ready to campaign for the year. And so maybe there, there's nothing to the timing. Dale and Regina texted in and said the SAS party needs a rebranding. The problem is the wrong people are leaving. There's a list of people here that he thinks need to go. He said we definitely need to upgrade our MLAs. This government is terrible. Do you agree with Dale? Is it time for a rebranding? Is that what we're seeing happen? Because these are a lot of senior politicians who have been doing this for a long time. And cabinet, like they had portfolios. Don't forget Donna Harpower, finance minister, deputy premier. Don McMorris, government relations minister. 
Dustin Duncan, Crown Investments Corporation Minister, former Education Minister, and Gord Wyant, has, he has been in a ton of portfolios, justice, now in advanced education. And some of these politicians had already won their nomination or acclaimed in their nomination for their area and now are announcing that they're retiring. Jim in Whitewood says, with all the MLAs packing it in, can you push the teacher contract to get legislated to be done at summertime before moving forward so it doesn't impact kids and parents? Oh, right. I forgot MLAs don't work in the summers. <laughs> I see where Jim's going here. Can the public-private information log the hours MLAs are in their constituency offices and compare their wages? If Cockerell is saying that teachers are getting rich off of salary, let's do a comparison. So this is the whole who works during the summer and who doesn't discussion. Glenn in Saskatoon texted and said, I find it very interesting that four senior cabinet ministers announced that they're not seeking re-election all on the same day. That's what I said too. See, it's like clearly it was, it was decided rather than, you know, day after day after day. Is this one of those? Look, let's pull the bandaid off. It'll be front page news today, third page news tomorrow. And then we won't talk about it anymore. Is that what they're thinking? Glenn goes on to say, you have to wonder if they see things changing in Saskatchewan. And does this call into question leadership? That's what I'm curious about. I'm curious to know your thoughts on it. The text line will remain open, of course. We are going to continue on with the show. We've got some other great topics that we're going to be talking about, but we're always happy to hear your thoughts at 1-877-332-8255. All right. Coming up just after 10 o'clock, it's records. We're talking vinyl records and music. It's it's a renaissance for the vinyl industry, and it is definitely, I mean, record sales right now, easily outpacing CD sales. We know that. But even taking a bite into online streaming, people are really getting into records. We've got a couple of experts who are going to be joining us. We'll talk a little bit about the market, the resurgence, and then we're going to open the phone lines up for you. Have you got a collection? Have you got a question? It'll be your opportunity coming up. After 10, right here on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.